0: Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now
1: ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1234 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott with you live from the 630 Chad studios. Bob... Bob was trying to be live from Rogers Place ahead of uh, <laughs> Wednesday's uh, drop of the puck of the regular season. Unfortunately, it just technologically didn't align at all, to uh, to say the least. So I'll steer the ship for the next 25 minutes or so. Bob's hopping back to the uh, Humble stoffer abode down where he's been doing the last uh, 200 or so shows amid the pandemic. But we are still pleased to be joined as we are every uh, when- Monday and Wednesday on the River Casino Hotline for our friends at Legacy Heating and Cooling, home of no payments and no interest for one year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy Heating and Cooling. It's John Shannon checking in from Ontario. John, how are you doing today? Good, Brendan. I hope Bob knows where the radar is. So. Yeah, the photo radar on the way home. Me too. Uh, yeah. Me too, because you know he's going to be hauling back there. So, uh, listen, it's it's obviously a day that's uh, sort of making headlines out of the NHL world, as a lot of teams appear to be. They're getting cap compliance. We're only a handful of days out of of things uh, firing up here. Uh, any of the names surprise you that you saw on the waiver wire? Was, was this sort of, uh, I guess, a... a to be expected given the world that we live in now, COVID-wise?
0: So I think it was to be, to be expected, and I think what every general manager in the NHL is trying to do today is uh, put a couple of veteran players on, um, on waivers, uh, hoping that nobody pays attention. Uh, and you, you know that's not true, but with so much volume of, uh, of players on, uh, you have to wonder uh, if and when uh, somebody says, "Okay, we're going to take this guy. Can we afford this guy?" Uh, by the time uh, the 24 hours expires, uh, and uh, or the player that they choose uh, has has been taken by a, a, a team lower in the standings, then. You move on, and I I, I actually talked to a couple of managers yesterday, and they both admitted, maybe today was the the day to put guys on on the waiver wire so that uh, you can get them through, and then if you do get them through, you have the availability of putting them on your taxi squad, and and bring them back for the next thirty days. So it's it's all cap being cap compliant. It's all about uh, uh, the ability to move players back and forth easier uh and, and then tr- trying to find a way w- which is the, which is the best way to to keep your cap under control early in the season, cap the cap on opening night is so really important, and I, I'm not sure I understand it all the time, Brendan. Uh, but having your having that cap, and and not getting into LTIR all the time is something that every manager is very very aware of, and they try to do that to the best of their
1: ability. Well, and you're looking around the league right now at uh, you know just how Tampa was trying to assemble things under their cap, and it, it looked like after that trade. With Ottawa, they might have space uh, money wise for Tyler Johnson, and yet he still uh, falls victim to the waiver wire, as many were talking about before that. So, a lot of. But
0: again, Tyler Johnson's an interesting one. Um, You know, his contract is still, you know, I, I think it's over $4 million. Uh, how many teams are going to take that risk, and and, and that becomes the real question: is that is there a team on the on the lower end uh, that would have the opportunity or have the need to take a Tyler Johnson and you know put themselves uh, in, in that position? And and as Johnson in this day and age, with a, a flat cap for the next three years, is Johnson and his talent worth? that on your cap and that those are questions that every manager has to answer
1: a couple other interesting things as we chat with our NHL insider John Shannon for our friends at Legacy Heating and Cooling. Uh, I'm seeing now Jay Boeester officially retires. Maybe we'll get to that uh, in a little bit here. Shane Doan, a prominent uh, figure of course out of Edmonton's hockey circle. Once upon a time, he signs uh, in a front office advisory role with the Coyotes. Uh, so it's not only necessarily on ice that we're seeing things get rounded out. John, we're sort of we're seeing some of the off ice stuff get uh, get taken care of here as well. Uh, what kind of impact? Do you think somebody like Shane Doan would have on an organization like the Coyotes with, uh, with not necessarily a blank slate, but a lot of different directions they can take a young club? Well, you know, it, it's interesting because
0: uh, if you remember, Brendan, when um, uh, John Chaka came on board, uh, the, the public uh, divorce between Doan and the Coyotes was embarrassing for the organization. Uh, Doan probably had wanted to play one more year. They didn't think he, he could play one more year. Uh, he had already decided to play that extra year rather than signing as a free agent in Vancouver. Um, he, he, you know, in, in the last uh, three years, I believe, Doan has actually worked for Hockey Operations. Uh, comparable to what Chris Pronger used to do, uh, working uh, in player safety and working for hockey ops. Uh, so he stayed involved in the game. I just think this is a positive move by an organization that's trying to recapture the market. Uh, you, you know, the owner, with the change in ownership, uh, Alex Morello is trying to do everything to be much more community-based and the people for the in, in the Valley of the Sun and This just makes a ton of sense, and Shane Doan has uh, had some experience uh, at the NHL level with the league office, and hopefully that will, uh, will help him and help the organization grow.
1: We'll, uh, we'll hone in on the Oilers uh, in a couple of minutes here, John. I'm just going down the list of some of the other headlines breaking today. Mike Hoffman signs a one year, $4 million deal with the Blues coming off of that professional tryout offer. Uh, obviously, had a little bit of cap room there. They get a guy who's a proven scorer and somebody who I think wanted to be as close to uh, a Stanley Cup contender as possible. What do you think of the fit for Hoffman in St. Louis?
0: Well, I- I, I, you know, if Mike Hoffman can continue to be what he is, and that's a, a natural goal scorer, a pure sniper, uh, then the Blues did themselves a good deal, and they get they, they got a good number on it. And and you know, so um, you know, Mike Hoffman was a victim of, in my opinion, of the business of what the pandemic has done to the National Hockey League, uh, and and it's just a classic case of timing. Uh, he becomes an unrestricted free agent, uh, and. Has a ton of the money um, and just dries up, and and we, as we talked about before, the flat cap exists. So he, Hoffman's taking his chance. He's going to take the one year, just like Taylor Hall did, albeit for half the price that Taylor Hall did. Uh, he's going to take his chance, play for one year, and prove himself and hopefully get a better deal, uh, I guess. I'm going to say 12 months from now, but eight months from now.
1: John Shannon is our NHL insider so I finally had the opportunity John as uh, most of the time that the Oilers are skating um, I'm here prepping the show but Saturday I I, uh, braved the cold weather and I went down to the rink and saw my first action of them back on the ice and let me just say I mean you almost uh, or I almost forgot just the the overall talent level of everybody out there on that sheet of ice the crisp tape to tape passes uh, it's, it's refreshing to get out there and have the opportunity to see it and one of the players who really stood out on my mind is they were doing a lot of a special teams work. John Dominic Cahoon, and, and he looks like somebody that was—he was shifting the offensive zone. He seemed already to be playing off of his teammates pretty well, and uh, and and I liked what his you know his offensive. He just had his head on a swivel, uh, seemingly in a lot of the right spots. This is a dark horse signing for the Oilers, and and I, I really think you know we've talked about him previously, of course, but having actually laid eyes on. On Cahoon and knowing the experience that he's had playing with some of those upper upper echelon players out in the Eastern Conference, I, I really think that there's a chance that something clicks here for him yeah. uh, based on what I saw. What do you What do you think about Dominic Cahoon's prospects here?
0: The interesting thing is, remember that his rookie year in Chicago, and and there was a ton of people raving about Cahoon, and, and particularly within the 15 feet of the goal, and what he could do with the puck, and and for some reason. Uh, It just didn't come to fruition in Pittsburgh, and it didn't come to fruition in Buffalo. Uh, And whether it was a numbers game or whether it was a chemistry, uh, I'm not sure what the issue is. And and I I just think that when you think that there's a good chance that Cahoon plays with Dreisaitl and Yamamoto, uh, there there is a real upside to this. I mean, we we know he has speed. Uh, We know he can score goals. Uh, so uh, uh, for, for what they paid for him I don't think it was much of a risk uh, to be honest uh, and it, it, it's just another piece of that depth puzzle that Kenny's been trying to fix over the last year and, and hopefully it works out uh, it, it, it certainly creates um, another opportunity in those top six forwards You know, I, I didn't imagine that he would be a top six forward when they signed him but if it works out that he can play with those guys then more power to him
1: they were uh, they were running a lot of different looks. Uh, obviously, you've got your first and second power play unit, as you would know, John. And then it was sort of you know unit three and four. And and on some of those, you're getting to see guys like Evan Bouchard and and even guys like Ryan McLeod, who I think skated with the second group on Saturday. But now these are names who, after the roster movement period, you've got guys like Evan Bouchard and Ryan McLeod still up with the Oilers. Uh, wh- what does that indicate to you, if anything? Uh, they're they're getting a little bit. Longer of a look here. Are they still probably earmarked for the minor leagues? You think, or what's on your mind well, with here,
0: that? Actually, here,
1: brennan here's the interesting thing. Uh, you, tell me what the
0: minor leagues are right now. Um, and, and if you say, "Well, I, you go to Bakersfield," well, that's that's right. Uh, but um, you're you're better off keeping a couple of your young guys available on your taxi squad. A because they don't have to go through waivers. Um, like like a veteran player would be, and B they wouldn't have to quarantine coming back from Bakersfield. The other issue is is that Bakersfield there's no ice in Bakersfield right now. Uh, there's no place for the American League team to go to right now, uh, even if you've been assigned. There, there probably won't be ice in Bakersfield until the 23rd or 24th of the month, um, and and even then, if if the, you you practice and play with that club, if you get recalled. You're, uh, you know, you're stuck in quarantine crossing the border. So from the the perspective of having a guy like Ryan McLeod, who, you know, that first round pick a couple of years back, uh, you know, people have their fingers crossed. Evan Bouchard, uh, who played in Europe earlier this year, you know, that will probably help him. To have them beyond the 23, either on the taxi squad or you know, in the 23 and, and available but not playing every night, that's, that's the best thing for them right now until the American League gets up and running. And then, you, then you'll have a better sense of whether they should be down playing the, what is it, 24 or 32 games that an American League team will play before the end of the season
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense actually, just in terms of because you know my my de facto response to that uh, and just seeing two feet in front of my face of course is you know you, you obviously don't want your your prospects up here guys that could be developing elsewhere uh, sitting around on that taxi squad, which I yeah, think but the, here,
0: but, that, but, the, but you, you, you may not have any choice for this season. Uh, and remember, it's 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 a this is a short-term issue. This is not a long-term issue. This is a short-term issue. Uh, and um, quite frankly, a guy like McLeod or a guy like Bouchard might actually be safer. Uh, you know, extra practice time. Being around the, the pros, getting – when you play three games in four nights or five nights in the same city, there's a good chance all 29 guys will get in. There's a good chance. And so would you, would you be better playing 20 games at the NHL level rather than 32 games at the AHL level without a guarantee of knowing when the AHL schedule is going to be, although they have announced it, it's supposed to be the 5th of February?
1: Chatting with John Shannon, our NHL insider here. It's Brendan S. Scott, pinch hitting for the next 13 minutes or so on Oilers Now. I Bob, did, I back.
0: Think you're doing a better job than Bob.
1: I think you should just stay. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Let's you know, not tell him no, that. I just, I, I, I just
0: don't. I just want Bob to drive off the road once, to, you know, <laughs> grab, gri, 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 grip that steering
1: wheel a little tighter, you know. Yeah, I think he's avoiding those uh, those photo radar tickets. So, you know, some of the other headlines, John. Uh, what's um, Pat- Patrick Laine and uh, and Pierre-Luc Dubois drafted one after another, if memory serves, back in 2016. Um, this is, or was that 2017 for Laine? Uh, yeah, it was. Well, Matthews, Matthews, Matthews Laine, yeah. Dubois, Pugliarvi. There we go. Um, so, these are two players in seemingly similar uh, situations with where they're at with their team right now. Of course, in camp, participating with camp. I know Dubois got that new contract there. They're still seeming to talk about trading for him. Line a, I A, he's been a weird guy, as we know, since since really, you know, draft day when he was doing that interview on FaceTime, laying down on the couch uh, and everything that he said recently, it indicates that he's he's in Winnipeg, but is he really present in Winnipeg? So uh, is this is this probably the wrong year for anything substantial to happen in terms of movement for either one of those players? Uh, but, you know, is is there a fit there or, or perhaps elsewhere that you can see for either one of those names to be on the move at some point? Point?
0: It, it's interesting. When you think about, uh, and, and I'm, I'm going to go Dubois first, who signed the two-year deal uh, in Columbus, and even though there's you know, a little bit of talk that he wants out eventually because he and Torts aren't on the same page. Um, it, and then Matthew Barzell signed his deal for three years, and, and in the last year of his deal, I think the number's $10 million. Uh, so it's got an average cap hit of seven. Uh, and then you throw in line who's, you know, arguably, um, the best of those three. Although I think that at a certain point, I think that when you look at all the assets that all three players have, they're kind of comparable. Um, uh, the issue becomes is if, if Patrick wants to stay in in Winnipeg, uh, and more importantly, I think is if the Jets want him in Winnipeg. Uh, and you know the the chemistry issues have um, risen up before uh, with this organization, and I and I think that that's something that uh, that Kevin dayoff has probably looked at, trying to find a way to make it work. You know, it's difficult. We've heard managers talk about it's difficult to make trades this year because uh, the the simplicity of making a trade uh, really only exists for the Canadian teams with other Canadian teams uh, because of the quarantine, because of the border. Do you want truly, do you want to be making a trade with a team that you're fighting for a playoff spot? The answer is no. So that becomes an issue. The other thing for Patrick, and I feel sorry for Patrick uh, in, in many ways, because English is still not his first language. And uh, what he does, uh, and, and he's, he's a great quote, uh, and he speaks the truth the way he would speak the truth as if he was in Finland. Um, and sometimes that gets him in trouble in, in Winnipeg. It's, in many ways, it's a blessing for him and for the organization this year that there aren't media guys walking around the dressing room continuing to ask him questions or fans in the seats to boo him or cheer him. Uh, and I think uh, I think that what they're trying to do is is hold their breath make it work for the 56 games and playoffs and resolve it in the summer.
1: Interesting that you raised that point about maybe there being less pressure on some of these players trying to reinsert themselves or reestablish themselves or or, or just find that confidence again. And of course, I've just described the Yessa Pogliarvi situation. Off the top of your head, do you feel like he might stand to benefit from the fact that there could be less pressure not only from us media hounds, but of course from the screaming fans at Rogers Place on a nightly basis?
0: Totally. And let's remember, you know, uh, and Brendan, you remember this, when, when Pujarvi left uh, the NHL, he did it after having double hip surgery. Not one hip, but both hips. Uh, and, and you, know, you know, intrusive surgery like that on both sides of your body, you know, you're not going to get over that in three weeks. You're not going to get over it in three months. So the fact that he's now had two years uh, to make it uh, better, I, I suspect that he's that much wiser. Uh, you know, it, when you're a, when you're a 21 year old, turning 23, you're a, you're a heck of a lot smarter, uh, and and I think physically. That has never been an issue for Polyarvi if he hasn't been playing in pain. And, you know, we're told now that he's not playing in pain like he did the last six months of his Euler, first time around with the Oilers. And if, he's, if he understands how to use that body and, and then communicate with his teammates, then Polyarvi could easily become an asset for this organization
1: perhaps apples to oranges but colin wilson just wrote that uh piece in the players tribune things that you can't see talking about having to retire after the ramifications of of double hip surgery and all of the fallout uh, from yeah, that yeah,
0: um, absolutely i mean i mean let's think about
1: let's think about the the movement it takes
0: to skate and the pressure points on both hips i mean come on uh, you know it, it, we, I, it's it's uh, it's uh, even if you're a uh, you know a, a good skater uh, the fact that you don't see him wincing in pain every time you have to be appreciative of what these guys go through at times
1: and uh, we'll wrap up on that note with the news from Oscar Kleffbaum uh, talking today to the media for the first time since uh, the team has basically announced that he won't be playing this year. Uh, and he, a lot of the focus, John, wasn't necessarily on how much pain it was to play through, but when he gets home and he's just trying to lay in bed and go to sleep at night, he's saying it got to the point where he couldn't, uh, you know, prioritize the, what's on the ice over his personal life sort of being disrupted by this constant pain. And that's that's something that. That a lot of us fans don't necessarily think of uh, when you first take a look at an athlete and think about all of the physiotherapy and painkillers that they might be privy to. But they're still putting themselves through an awful lot, as Oscar outlined today.
0: And and Brendan, they're putting themselves through it for the rest of their lives. You know, and I think if you look at those guys, those former great Eskimos that still live in the city, uh, or former Oilers that live in the city, or say, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember some of the all-time greats of the game and, and happen to go to the Hall of Fame every year and meet them and realize that at 60 and 65 years old, they can barely walk. Uh, and it's the price they have paid physically for playing the game they love. Uh, and, you know, sure, they get paid a lot. Now, those, the, the 65-year-olds didn't get paid what the guys get paid today. But the, the question will become, as you get older in life as a player, is how much was it worth to play the game and be in pain for so, part, so much part of your life. It's a, it's a real challenge. It's a real dilemma. And guys, that, uh, guys like Clefbaum that are going through it right now, every once in a while you wonder what's going on and wonder, wonder what happens. I mean, we saw this in the NFL with, uh, with players three or four years into their career retiring because of concussions and, and prioritizing their lives. Uh, and uh, I suspect in the next two, three to five years we'll see it again in every sport, particularly the physical sports like football and hockey. Guys saying, you know what, I've got enough money, I don't need to take this toll on myself and my
1: family for the rest of my life. Absolutely, John. Thank you so much. Our NHL insider, John Shannon, always appreciate the insight, and we'll check again on uh, on Wednesday. Sound good?
0: Well, maybe if Bob will show up, yeah, that'll yeah, be good. We'll
1: oh, <laughs> <See you laughs> Thanks, later. John. Appreciate it. That is John Shannon. It's Brendan Escott here. It's 12.55 in Edmonton. We'll be back on Oilers Now in just a moment. Are you having fun today? I certainly am. I know Bob is as he's hustling back to that humble stuffer abode, City's southwest side. He'll take back over at 1 o'clock. Some technical difficulties trying to get everything uh, shored up over at Rogers Place before the puck drops on Wednesday. Can you believe we're that close already? 8 o'clock. On 6.30, Chad, Oilers, Canucks, your City Forward face-off show, your pregame show starts at 6 o'clock with the mega-talented Reed Wilkins. Let's do the James H. Brown Injury Report. The Oilers Now Injury Report, rather, brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. And this is something that I'm just going to say outright. We have to prepare ourselves to be hearing a reasonable amount of this year. The Canucks cancelling practice and workouts scheduled for yesterday amid COVID uh, concerns. Now, the team has the Dallas Stars... uh, Actually, the Columbus Blue Jackets did last week, saying that the decision was made out of an abundance of caution. Dallas Stars last week, that decision was made because they had a bunch of positive tests. Speaking of them, their uh, forward, Tyler Segan has been ramping up training activities. He's recovering from right hip surgery back in early November. They're still eyeing somewhere around um, early April or mid-April for a return for Segan. Florida's Sergei Bobrovsky did not practice yesterday. He's deemed unfit to play. Uh, veteran avalanche defenseman eric johnson has missed all of camp so far he's questionable to uh, start the team season opener with them against st louis on wednesday if he can't go it'll be connor Timmins. what an embarrassment of riches the colorado avalanche have on the back end both now and in the future and i'll tell you what I'm not saying the Oilers are there with, with the depth in their system, but uh, Evan Bouchard, Caleb Jones, Ethan Bear, Darnell Nurse, uh, all of these guys, Tyson Berry as well. When I was there on Saturday afternoon, I, these guys looked snappy, smart, hard passes. Uh, it, it just it looks like some strides have been made, and you would expect that with the amount of time that I know it hasn't been the easiest offseason, but these players have had a lot of time to work on stuff like strength and conditioning, and I really felt... Like, there was something, of course, I mean, I just haven't seen them skate in so long. There's an element to that. But the Oilers are looking good right now. And based on, you know, my assessment of of what they're saying, uh, Connor McDavid seems to be super engaged and interested in how he's delivering quotes to the media and that sort of stuff, if you put any credit into that. Anyway, I'm saying... Seems like things are humming, and they're humming right at the right time, two days away from puck drop. It is 12.59 in Edmonton. Uh, the regular host of this show, Bob Stoffer, should rejoin us after a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. We've got a special guest coming up at 1.05. We'll link up with Murat Tesh, and then we'll finish it off with a roundtable talking about the North Division on Oilers Now.